Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. Our guest today is Archbishop William Lorry, Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. And it's a special time for us in the church because right now we're in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic around the world, and it's especially affecting our church here in Maryland. In fact, the Archbishop and I are practicing good social distancing. We're a lot farther apart than we normally are for an interview like this. We're, we're at opposite ends of a table instead of right next to each other. But I'd like to start by asking you, Archbishop, what steps have you taken in the Archdiocese to protect the health of the faithful in the Archdiocese? Uh, the most important steps we've taken have been first to suspend masses for the duration of this um, crisis. Um, secondly, to issue a series of detailed sort of rules or policies about the celebration of all other sacraments. Um, schools have been closed. Catholic Charities has had a task force underway to figure out how it would uh, continue to do its charitable works, but in a way that is safe and other measures. So those have been the principal things that we have done. You've been consulting not only with folks in this building and, and experts in the church, but also with uh, with the governor's office, with the state uh, folks at the state and, and the, the Maryland Medical Association. How have those informed your decisions? Those conversations with um, the governor and other officials and medical experts have certainly helped us to focus on the seriousness of the crisis and on the need for the church, which is after all, a very large community of faith, to um, take the appropriate steps that it's now taking. Mm -hmm. Was it difficult for you to make the decision to cancel all masses, knowing how important the Eucharist is to Catholics? It was a very difficult decision to, to cancel Mass. It was probably the last thing I wanted to do, but I did it uh, in recognition um, of uh, the seriousness of the coronavirus, the ease with which it spreads, and uh, I did it really kind of for the common good of our Catholic community and the wider community. But of course it's difficult. Uh, the priesthood is at the heart of my life as a, as a Catholic and as a priest and as a bishop. And I know it's the source and summit of the church's life. So be clear, the Eucharist is still, still being celebrated, but it's being celebrated uh, without a congregation, but it's also being uh, broadcast and live streamed so that people can at least in some way take part in it. Mm -hmm. You're the kind of priest and bishop who likes to hang around at the end of Mass. You, you spend a lot of time after Mass chatting with congregants and just talking with them about what's going on in their life, hearing from them. How has celebrating the Mass without the presence of the faithful affected you and changed the way you celebrate the Mass? 
Well, let me begin by uh, affirming that um, one of my favorite things to do is to say a Sunday Mass in a parish, and then just to spend time <clears throat> either in the back of church or um, on the steps of the church or in a, in a small reception, just saying hello and just chatting with people. And I learn so much by doing that, and I, I try to make myself available in that way. I miss it. I miss it terribly. You know, um, I, I love to shake people's hand. I, I enjoy having my picture taken. All those things are, for me, a lot of fun, and I always say the best part of the job, uh, and I miss it. But on the other hand, when I say Mass, as I did last Sunday at the cathedral, I, I, I realized that I have a capacity there electronically, but hopefully also in God's grace, to touch a lot of people also, but in a different way. So sometimes you just got to do your ministry uh, in different ways, but it's the same ministry. Mm -hmm. The Mass you celebrated on Sunday was attended live, I'm putting air quotes around it, attended live by more than about 1,800 people, which is the capacity of the cathedral. Mm -hmm. So it would have been full had there been people there. And I, it's just interesting to see that different dynamic at work. Well, let's hope that uh, when this is all over, they cram into the cathedral. <laughs> I think uh, no, nothing makes our fellow Catholics happier, nothing makes me happier than a full church on Sunday and with people actively participating. It really is the heart of our faith. Mm -hmm. Churches are still allowed to be open for private prayer and adoration. How is that going to be controlled, but why is that important for people, uh, especially to keep people safe while doing that? Well, you know it's a moving target. Just today or yesterday, the CDC issued new guidelines, as did the White House, we're looking at um, prohibitions of gatherings of uh, 10 or less. And uh, that might affect our ability to do what we had hoped to do, which was to keep our churches open. Mm -hmm. um, this is a moving target right now. Mm -hmm. You've ordered the team at the Catholic Center to work remotely as much as possible and to conduct as much business as they can via teleconference or or computer and email. How can the Catholic Center staff continue to support the people in the parishes and the people in the pews uh, during this time? Well, you know, one of the blessings we have going into this pandemic that, let's say, did not exist back in 1918 when we had the Spanish, and the Spanish flu uh, is technology. And so we will certainly use technology to our best advantage um, we have our own GoToMeeting account. We have video conferencing capabilities. We have all manner of communicating, also in the parishes, and I would encourage every parish to do this. We have something called My Parish App, um, where you can get so much, uh, so much is available. You know, the mass prayers, the readings. Um, your pastor's homily, your bulletin, your ability to donate, it's all there. And uh, I would encourage every, every parish to have my parish app and every parishioner to make sure 
it's on your phone. Also, Flocknote, another way of communicating instantly with parishes. There's other things out there like constant comment, and I'm sure they're fine, but some things have been designed specifically for our parishes and their needs, and I would think that um, we should be making use of those kinds of technologies going forward. Mm -hmm. I've also seen pastors and, and priests in our diocese either putting out daily reflections on Facebook. They're inviting their, their people to try to remain connected in that way. St. John Paul in 1987, back before any of this was invented, uh, said to communicators in Los Angeles, it would be a sin if we didn't use all the technology available. And certainly we have a lot of that technology available to us now to make sure that we can keep people connected. How does that help? If ever the importance of technology for the life of the church, if ever it were clear, it's now. And sometimes we have to kind of be dragooned into adopting these technologies, but we should in fact be embracing them. Uh, when the church began, uh, the gospel spread through the network of Roman roads and communications and the Pax Romana. As technology developed, the printing press, for example, that revolutionized how we communicated in the life of the church. Way back when, when email started, and I was a young bishop, there was a little bit of resistance on the part of some of my brother priests. And I said to them, I said, you know, I wasn't in Baltimore at the time. I said, you know, I said, I think Cardinal Gibbons had that same problem back about 1908. And they said, what problem was that? I said, with the telephone. I said, all these things are ways and means of bringing the gospel to people. So um, a parish that has the ability to live stream or to otherwise communicate out with, with, with parishioners, whether there's a coronavirus on or not, we can communicate with our parishioners practically on a daily basis. Little reflections, you mentioned those, live stream masses, news of the parish. There's so many things you can do to be present and uh, to keep people in the loop and also to be interactive with them. So I really want to encourage this. The new evangelization uh, was not about reinventing the gospel, but as John Paul II said, and as France, Pope Francis has reiterated, new methods and new ardor. I hope the ardor is there, but I also hope the methods are there. Mm -hmm. Well, we are talking today with Archbishop William Lurie of Baltimore about the coronavirus pandemic and how the church in Baltimore is responding. After the break, we're going to talk some more with the Archbishop about ways that, uh, that the church is going to deal with Holy Week and Easter. We'll be right back on Catholic Baltimore. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to The Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice a week updates. Just text CR Media 
to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. We're back on Catholic Baltimore, and we are talking with Baltimore Archbishop William E. Lurie about the coronavirus pandemic and how the church is responding to that. Why is it so difficult for Catholics not to be able to attend Mass, Stations of the Cross, other devotions during Lent? Well, um, I can answer from my own spiritual life. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed because I can say Mass every day. But I think absence from the Eucharist um, is, is a tremendous cross. Uh, my only hope is, as the old saying goes, with absence, the heart grows fonder. I think with, with each passing day and week, our hunger for the Eucharist should deepen. And one spiritual benefit I hope and pray for out of this really, really difficult time is that uh, people's hunger for the Eucharist, their love for the Eucharist will in fact be intensified. I hope also those who might take it for granted or think, oh, I can go whenever I want, might also stop and take a second look and say, oh my gosh, what would it really be like if Mass were never available? What would it really be like if I could never receive the Holy Eucharist? Um, I think that it is a very important moment for us um, to really appreciate in, in a new and unexpected way the centrality of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ given for our salvation and given to us as food and drink um, in our spiritual lives. It is the nourishment that makes us whole. Mm -hmm. Certainly Pope Francis addressed this in his, uh, in his pastoral letter about the Synod on the Amazon where he talked about so many people in that region who have no access to the Eucharist yes. on a regular basis. Uh, would you hope that this would make us desperately hungry for that since we, since we have access to it, just not now? Sure. I mean, we have, you know, plenty of places on a, on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning where the Eucharist is, is being celebrated. And um, 
it's not for lack of masses. What we need, all of us, is a heightened appreciation for the greatness of this gift. It is the Lord's gift of self to us, his gift of self. And so um, if we truly believe that, as we should as Catholics, then our hearts should be open. Then we should hunger and thirst for this gift, even as Jesus hungers and thirsts for our love. What will Holy Week and Easter be like in the Archdiocese? We're looking about three weeks away at this point, uh, probably two weeks away from this broadcast, um, and we probably will have these same restrictions in place at that time. Well, if these same restrictions are in place, as, as I think they probably will be, then we're going to, again, have to do these liturgies, which are so central to the life of the Church, in a different way. We will have to do them in the absence of a congregation. And that means that, uh, again, we will have to live stream them, broadcast them, make them available in all the ways avail that are um, currently available to us. And um, we're going to have to join in spiritually. Now, one of the things that uh, we can always do through our prayer and in the power of the Holy Spirit is to join ourselves spiritually to that which we cannot legitimately be present for. So indeed, we won't be able to be present for Palm Sunday or for the Chrism Mass, which is one of my very favorite evenings in the whole liturgical year, the Mass of the Lord's Supper, Good Friday, the Vigil, which is the night of nights, the most important night in the life of the Church when catechumens are baptized and candidates are received, and then the glorious celebration of Easter Sunday. These are events that, frankly, I live for, and I think every priest does. We're busy, yes, we're under a lot of pressure, but oh, what a joy to celebrate these central mysteries of our salvation with such great solemnity. So we have to do it another way this year. I don't think that, just speaking for myself as, as, as a celebrant, I don't think my sense of solemnity and, and my sense of the importance of these liturgies should flag one bit. Even though I will celebrate them in an empty cathedral, Nonetheless, it's still the Lord. It's still reenacting everything he did for us and for our salvation. I have to focus on that and pray that um, somehow uh, everyone will get a sense of it, share in it spiritually, and just as soon as we can all get back together physically, I'm looking to wonderful sacramental events in which we will be baptizing catechumens, welcoming candidates, confirming young people, and really celebrating the joy of being together again as a family faith. I'm looking forward to a huge, wonderful family reunion 
a family of faith reunion. Archbishop, what are you hearing from priests and parish leaders about their interactions with their parishioners during this time? Uh, I had a meeting of um, a, a conference call with the Presbyteral Council. I must say I was deeply edified um, by uh, all of the good ideas that they shared as to how they are communicating with their parishioners, but also their sadness in not being able to be with their people. We priests really live for this. It's in our DNA. Um, I did ask a group of them to form a little task force, you might say, so that the archdiocese could be a clearinghouse of the very best ideas that are coming from our parish priests so that we can share them with one another and help strengthen each other as we move forward. A lot of people like to make sure that they get to the Sacrament of Reconciliation sometime during Lent before Holy Week and Easter. Certainly that is off the table. The, the Day of Recollection scheduled in the Archdiocese is canceled. Um, and it must be a challenge to make sure that you keep social distance and yet maintain privacy within the sacrament. What's being done on that, and have you got some ideas? I, I, I guess we can't do phone call confessions. But we can't do phone uh, In our life, there's some things that have to be done person to person, and this is one of them. Um, I, I, I think that uh, I'll certainly be getting further ideas in the days ahead, um, but one of the things earnestly to be hoped for and to be prayed for, I don't know that it could happen, but... What about Mercy Sunday? Maybe that would be the moment when we could um, massively um, go to confession, or maybe it's closer to Pentecost. But I think we're going to have to do a little bit of makeup work this year. We don't normally do that makeup work, but let me add this about the Sacrament of Reconciliation. It is not just for Lent or Advent. It is for all the seasons of the liturgical year. We should always be doing this. We should be going at least once a month. So if we can't get there at the usual times, well, let's make a good act of contrition. <laughs> if it's an emergency, there is a way to do this. If someone is dying, there's a way to do this. Um, if we can find a way to offer it, we will. But I do want to say that uh, that uh, going to confession at least monthly is a practice that all of us as Catholics should be doing. Mm -hmm. Do you have a message of hope for the Catholics of the Archdiocese at this time? I do indeed. Um, first and foremost, um, the message of hope is that the Lord is still with us. He still loves us. We are still being guided by his provident care for us. The Lord has guided us and the church and whole societies through difficult times in the past. He will not fail us now. If ever there was a time when we needed to strengthen our faith, to cling to our hope and to deepen our love, it's now. And that's not something we do via our own efforts. It's something the Holy Spirit does in us, and the Holy Spirit will work through us. Another message is, is not just of hope, but it's of kindness and generosity. 
Our nerves will be frayed by all of this. Our patience will be tried. We will feel confinement. We will get on each other's nerves. If ever there was a time to practice Christian charity in its fullness, it's got to be now. I think also, you know, with within due precautions, seeing how we can be helpful to others is going to be extremely important. The more we give of ourselves, the more our hope is kindled. And the kinder we are and the more we love, the more our hope is kindled. Thank you so much for being with us today, Archbishop Laurie. This is Christopher Gunter of the Catholic Review, and we've been talking with Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore about the coronavirus pandemic and how the church is responding. You've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.